Hello, and welcome to the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. Our church has a passion to reach people who are far from God, teach them to follow Jesus, and launch them out to serve God in the world. If you're in the San Diego area, we'd love for you to join us for a service. Please visit questsd.com to learn more about us, find out service times, and explore our ministries. If you have any questions, send us an email at info at questsd.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's message. We are going to jump into our Bible study this morning. Hopefully you are all in Matthew chapter 6, and we are looking at the Lord's Prayer, which is maybe for many of us in this room or those visiting and joining us online is a very familiar passage uh, because of Sunday school or some classes that you took growing up. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's the Lord's Prayer. And so... Uh, one of the cool things is we are focusing in on specific themes that Jesus presents in the Lord's Prayer. And if you're with us last week, we studied this theme of adoration and worship. And any of the messages that we have on Sunday mornings, if you haven't listened to them or you weren't able to be here, you can always go back and listen to them on our podcast or on our website, uh, as well as we have our sermon notes available there as well. But we talked about um, adoration and, and worship. And uh, we see Jesus teach the disciples this, this manner in which to pray. And in, the, in this prayer, Jesus presents in the beginning uh, worship. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. So Jesus focuses us in. Before we ever get to our petitions and our requests, I know oftentimes we think about prayer. We think about, well, I, I want to ask God for things or I need things. And that's very important. That is a part of prayer. But before we get to our petitions, We recognize the prominent position of God. He is our Father. He is in heaven. He is above all things. And so last week, we looked at the the negatives as well as the positives of approaching God in prayer. Jesus gave a couple of warnings. Don't babble and don't boast is basically what he said. Don't use vain repetition in your words because God knows what we need. And it's a simple conversation. And don't be prideful and boastful. Uh, and he used uh, the analogy of the hypocrites of the Pharisees. So don't have a hypocritical attitude in prayer, but he also encouraged us to have, well, on the opposite side, have a humble approach to prayer. It's very simple and humble. In fact, Jesus' effectiveness and ministry is really rooted in his uh, rhythm of constantly retreating to lonely places, isolated places to pray to his heavenly father. So we also see the encouragement to have a heavenly appreciation for our father, always focused upward and upon God who is in control of all things. And then the holy attributes that he is completely set apart, unique um, and uh, outside of our uh, realm and understanding. So there is this heavenly father who is in heaven. And uh, so today um, we're going to be looking at this theme of submission. So that's kind of the focus for us today. Submission to the will of our heavenly father. And uh, you know, I think it brings up a couple of questions. Well, what is the will of God? And maybe you've asked that in your life and maybe coming into the new year. God, what is your will? And that's a, that's a question coming from somebody who is seeking direction and guidance in life. And many times it can be something as big as, do I sell my house? Do I move there? Do I date this person? Do I marry this person? Big decisions that we have and that we make uh, in life. But also there's direction that we seek God on for just normal routine and everyday things. 
And so what is God's will for my life? Maybe that is going to be answered through this prayer series. And, uh, you know, there is a purpose and a plan that God has for our lives and understanding that and recognizing that God is involved and cares about the details of our lives. But we also recognize that not only does God have a will and a purpose and a plan personally for our lives, but he's also working not only corporately in the body of Christ through the church, but he's also working through the affairs of, of humanity and the events of, of world events. God's will is being done, is desired to be done. So prayer is uh, for the point or focus for us today is that prayer aligns our plans with the purposes of God. We, through prayer, uh, bend our knee and our will to the will and purpose of God. And so, just for context, we're going to uh, begin in verse 5 and just kind of read through. And I think maybe each week would be helpful. Just a couple of verses, but it, it gives us context for the Lord's Prayer as He teaches. And you have to remember that uh, in this portion of Scripture in Matthew 6, we're looking at the Sermon on the Mount, which is the greatest sermon ever preached by Jesus recorded here in the Gospels. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus takes his followers, his disciples, up onto a mountain on the hillside, and he begins to teach them about the character, the quality, and the conduct of a follower of Jesus Christ, of a person who is a citizen of heaven living on planet Earth. So uh, he encourages disciples in the Sermon on the Mount how to live right side up in an upside down world. How to live completely different, to look different, to talk different, to sound different from the world and the culture so that people will see the love that you have for one another and they will know that you're my disciples. Now, love is just one aspect of it. But notice in the Sermon on the Mount, which you could read through chapters 5, 6, and 7 in just a couple of minutes, a very short sermon recorded. In this sermon, Jesus focuses in on teaching his disciples how to pray as well as the importance of prayer and the importance of fasting, which is something that we're going to partake of at the end of the month, January 29th, uh, 30th, and 31st, will be a, a church-wide opportunity and time for us to pray and to fast and to seek the Lord. So um, more information about that will come, but this is kind of preparing our hearts and our church for that. So looking at this submission, aligning our wills, look with me in verse 5, Matthew chapter 6. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. I mentioned this last week, the focus and the importance and the significance of when, not if. So it's expected that followers of Jesus will pray, will set that time aside and seek the Lord. Don't be like a hypocrite. So here's a negative. Don't be a hypocrite, for they love to stand in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. So the hypocrisy is in the motive of their heart, the intention of somebody who stands up in front of uh, other people and prays not to be heard by God, but to be seen by men. So it speaks to the motive of the heart. So don't do that, but do this in verse six. But when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Now there's a couple of things going on here because we mentioned this last week that if Jesus is encouraging us to pray secretly, why are we praying in groups at church? Well, it's not either or, it's both and. Sometimes we think, well, it's I'm gonna do this one thing, but we also need to consider the rest of scripture. And Jesus here is 
uh, painting a contrast between the motive, the selfish motive of those who want to be seen by other people. But he's also encouraging private prayer. That's very important. It's important to shut your door and to remove the distractions. We see that not only taught by Jesus in the Gospels, but also modeled by him by retreating to lonely places to pray. But we also see Jesus spending time with his disciples in corporate prayer. We see the early church praying together in the upper room and seeking God in prayer. And at that, one of the prayer times as the church was gathered together, that the doorposts of the house where they were praying shook and there was a great earthquake and the spirit of God fell upon them with boldness to share Jesus in their city. So we see the gathering of the church and the encouragement. So it's it's both and, not either or. And the cool thing about being a part of the church is we get to celebrate and practice that rhythm of praying together, lifting up one another, encouraging one another in prayer. But also, as we scatter from this place and the other six days of the week, we get behind closed doors. We spend time in our devotional time seeking God in his word and praying in this manner as he describes for us. In verse 7, continuing on, And when you pray, do not use vain repetition as the heathen do. For they think they will be heard for their many words. Oftentimes, the most effective prayers are the least expressive. Lord, I need you. Lord, help. It's not full of eloquent speech. God's not interested in how deep your theology is when you pray and seek him in prayer. It's good to have theology. It's good to understand the character and quality and nature of God because it forms and shapes the way we pray. But you don't have to have that to communicate and talk with God. Sometimes the most effective prayers are the least expressive, and that's what Jesus is saying. You don't need a bunch of words. Why? Because in verse 8, therefore do not be like them, for your Father in heaven knows the things that you need before you ask of him. So it's a matter of our Father knowing the condition of our lives, knowing the things that we need, and, he, and, and aligning our, our, our prayers with what God desires to fulfill in our needs in life. Therefore, look in verse 9, in this manner, therefore, pray. Now, many times, I know I'm kind of breaking this down a bit, but we, don't, we only have a couple of verses to kind of talk through, so it's, it's, it's a good opportunity to kind of just spend some time in each of these words. But uh, notice that Jesus doesn't say, say these words specifically. It's not a matter of how many our fathers that you speak or pray in order for God to hear your prayers or in order for, for God to, to answer your prayers or to accept you. Now, I, I think it's great to pray this prayer word for word. I've done it many times in my life. It's a beautiful prayer. It's a great prayer. I love praying specifically scripture because sometimes if I don't know how to pray or what to pray for, just read the scriptures and pray the scriptures. There's a recipe for God to work mightily and powerfully in your life. And uh, we've also been given the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's been given to us to intercede for us in prayer with moans and groans that words cannot express for the things that we don't even know we ought to be praying for. So we have the helper and the counselor of the Holy Spirit to guide us in prayer. We have the word of God to form and fashion our prayers and put it to like physical words where we can speak and communicate with our Heavenly Father in this manner. But if we were to just pray this prayer for verbatim, that would be going back to the vain repetition, wouldn't it? And that would um, be more legalistic in the sense of, well, I have to pray this specific way. No, Jesus says in this manner. So don't get me wrong. I think it's great to pray this prayer, but, it's, but praying this prayer is not going to get you heard by God, word for word. It's a, it's a, it's a, 
It's a structure, it's a format, it's a manner in which Jesus is teaching us to pray. And these manners are the themes that we're talking about as we're studying through this prayer. And that first theme was adoration. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So our prayers should include, and I would suggest also, begin with appreciation an adoration of our Heavenly Father. Notice the person, excuse me, the plural pronoun there, our. So there's a shared experience in the family of God as God being our Heavenly Father. And as a Heavenly Father, a Father knows, He loves, He cares, He's active and involved in their children's lives. He also steps in from time to time and brings discipline, correction, and change in our lives because He loves us. So He's our Heavenly Father. It speaks of the family of God. But notice where He's at. He's in heaven. So there's a focus upward upon him in control and above all things and knowing all things. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. I know that's kind of an old-fashioned word. We probably don't use that. It's actually a combination of two different words and meanings. One is the sense of holiness attributed to the nature and character and quality of God. And so if you look at all the different attributes presented in the scriptures of God, one of those is holiness. That means set apart altogether different. He's completely set apart from human beings. And so he's holy. Another definition of holiness holiness is, is purity. So um, pureness, holiness, set apart. This is the nature of God. But we're also combining the sense of because of, because of the holiness of God, it, it requires, there's an implication. And the implication is reverence and worship and adoration. The word hallowed speaks of worship and adoring worship and affection for his holiness. So notice, before we get to our petitions, to our requests, to our needs, we're recognizing the holiness of God. We're we're appreciating and worshiping that he is above all things and in control. Our Father in heaven, we're also recognizing the intimacy and the relationship that we have with God as a loving, caring, and active Father. And then in verse 10, which is our text for this morning, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Everyone say kingdom. Now say will. And uh, this is where we're focusing in on today. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Believe it or not, there's a lot going on in these words. And we're going to break them down into three main sections. If you're taking notes, you can jot them down. We'll have them up on the screen. But also, we're going to try to break down each of these words because they are simple but complex at the same time. There's a lot of meaning there. And the first point that we want to focus in on is this reign of God as king. Your kingdom come. There's that first phrase for this first point, that prayer anticipates the coming reign of God. There's a couple of words here that are being used. Your kingdom come. Very simple, three. But when we look at this word your, it speaks of ownership. It speaks of control. Your speaks of belonging. And so as Jesus focuses us in on the kingdom of God, that he is the rightful king. He has all power and authority. All of that power and authority belongs to God and to God alone. Do you remember as we were studying 
through the Gospel of Mark, the very first thing that Jesus preached when he began his teaching ministry. He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so Jesus ushers in through being Emmanuel as the king of kings, another one of the Christmas themes as we looked at in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6, that unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So the government is not upon a speaker of the house or upon a president or upon Whatever. Well, the United States government is. However, we're not talking about the United States government. We're talking about powers and principalities above world powers and governments. The government of all will be upon his shoulders. And he is the prince of peace. The king of kings and the lord of lords. These are the words that we use to describe Jesus as the king of kings above all. So if it's his kingdom, then he takes Full ownership, it belongs to him. All power and all authority. It's important to recognize who has ownership of this kingdom. But we also need to recognize what does this kingdom include? What is it about? And in the kingdom, there are citizens. And in these citizens, there are rules, there are regulations, there are laws. And God's kingdom is established through the person of Jesus Christ. He's the king of kings. However, as citizens in the kingdom of heaven here on earth, we are submitting to the rule and the reign of God in the kingdom. So as citizens, we submit and we bend our knee and our will to him. So Jesus opens up, continuing on in this prayer, recognizing that uh, God has full control, that his kingdom is at hand. Not only is it at hand, but it is to come. And that's an interesting sort of dynamic there. Because as you read through the scriptures, we recognize that the kingdom of heaven is present among us. It is unfolding his will and his control. Everything that happens, not only personally in our lives, but also in world events, is happening and unraveling according to the plan and will of God. He's in control. The Bible also says that God's ways are above our ways. His thoughts above our thoughts. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are his ways above our ways. And who has known the mind of the Lord or offered him any counsel? So he is orchestrating the events. Any power that smaller authorities or smaller governments may have are only given to them by the authority and the power and the control of God. He is in control of all things. So that's a one, it's, it's an encouraging thing when we look at the world around us and we recognize, well, it seems like a lot of things are out of control. It seems like a lot of things are unraveling. Well, yes, they are unraveling and they're unraveling according to the plan of God, especially if you read scripture and you read uh, prophetic scripture and apocalyptic scripture, meaning scriptures that deal with the events of the end times, then we see that they are continuing on according how God has re- recorded them in scripture. And so we have the belonging, the ownership. We have the citizenship. And as a citizen in the kingdom of heaven, uh, recognizing the control of God. But we also have your kingdom come. Notice there is an anticipation. So not only are we experiencing the kingdom of heaven now, it's kind of like an already but not yet sort of experience. If Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is at hand, meaning it is present, close, and near among us, we also recognize that it's not fully complete. 
If it was fully complete, then all of our laws would be biblical laws. <laughs> Wouldn't we just love that? And all of our leaders would be followers of Jesus Christ and submitted to the will and plan of God according to Scripture. Hey, that's going to be really great. That will come if you read the book of Revelation that God will establish his kingdom on earth. But we also know, according to Revelation, that the things that we experience here on planet earth, those experiences are going to be burned up. They're going to melt away. And there'll be a new heaven and a new earth and the kingdom of heaven will be uh, established and the, all power and control is going to go according to God's plan. But in the meantime, we're in this kind of in-between. And in between, as citizens of heaven, this is why Jesus is giving this sermon. Okay, well, in between, as I wait and as I anticipate, as I desire and pray for the coming kingdom of heaven to take full control, how am I supposed to be? Well, you're supposed to be praying, Lord, your kingdom come. I'm ready. I'm excited. I'm anticipating. But in the meantime, let me worship you. Let me adore you. Let me follow you as my heavenly father. And let me pray in accordance to your will and purpose. Also, let me surrender to the king of kings. Oftentimes, we are the ones sitting on the throne. <laughs> We're the ones holding the keys to the kingdom. We're the ones saying, well, now nah, this is the way things are going to go, and I've made my decision, and that's that. But this prayer encourages us in a completely different way. It encourages us to die to self. It encourages us to follow what God's plan and, and will is. And sometimes that might be a little bit confusing. And that's why Jesus goes on to say, your kingdom come, your will be done. Three simple words, once again. Uh, there might be four if you had to be. But uh, is focusing us in on this second point. That prayer, prayer capitulates to the ongoing rule of God. What do I mean by that? It surrenders, it submits, it obeys to the will of God and the rule of God in our lives. Prayer positions us in a way to submit in obedience to God's plans and purposes. So breaking these words down, once again, your. I think there's an encouragement here to recognize that it's God's rules. Now there can be some rules and laws passed even in our country, in the United States of America, that do not adhere to the rule of God. And unfortunately, that just takes place in a government that has not surrendered and submitted fully to the government of God. Uh, so we pray, we participate, we vote, uh, we get on our faces and ask God's will and, and, and plan to be done. We pray God's blessing over leaders who are in control of setting the agenda and, and passing laws and, and, and rules and, and regulations. But we also need to recognize that uh, in our personal lives, there are some things that are against God's will. And those things can be very clear and very obvious. We're not going to go through an entire list, but I would just suggest that anything that is contrary to the word of God is not going to be in the will of God for your life. I've had many conversations over the years. Well, I feel God's will is leading me in this direction or that direction. And we talk about it and we realize, yeah, that's actually really fleshly. Yeah, that's actually going to destroy your life. Yeah, that's actually not in line with God's will. God's will will never contradict God's word. So if you want to know God's will, you get into God's word and you read it and you apply it and you understand it. And uh, sometimes we can get off into so many different troubled ditches in life because we are pursuing our desires and our wills. But notice it is his will, 
Your will be done. God, what is your will? So it gets us back to that root question. What is your will? And we must be willing to bend our whims if God's will is to win in our life. To bend our whim, our wishes, our wants, our desires. We must be willing not only to bend our knee, which is a picture or a sign of surrender and submission, but also our whims, the things that, you know, from day to day or our desires to bend those to be willing to submit them. Now notice, Jesus not only teaches this type of prayer for his disciples, but he also modeled it. You remember in the Garden of Gethsemane, going before the persecution and the death on the cross, he was in, Jesus was in such great agony, and he said, if there's any other way, Heavenly Father, let this cup of suffering pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Right? There's uh, many scriptures that talk about the will of God um, in the Bible. And one is uh, to pray unceasingly, to give thanks always, uh, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for your life. Hey, that's a really simple verse. I love that. I can keep that as the will of God for my life. We also know that it is God's will that none should perish, but that all should come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. Very specifically, the scriptures say that. So this is God's will. So God's will and desire not only deals with the daily, mundane, routine things of the details of your personal life, but he also has a plan for people. He also has a heart for people. He also has a desire for people. And, uh, and, and in this love and desire and passion for people who are far from God, he has established this uh, new realm of the kingdom of heaven, which is the church. And the kingdom of heaven established in the church is continuing to advance the gospel. It's continuing to reach people. It's continuing to teach, teach people about uh, Jesus and, and his word. And Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell and Hades will not prevail against it. But there will be in the end times a continuing advancement of the kingdom of heaven. But yet at the same time, there is going to be an aggressive battle against the kingdom of heaven. They will not prevail. And so this kingdom is continuing to advance as we surrender and submit to the personal but also the corporate big picture plan and will of God that is unfolding. So your will speaks of, the will speaks of purpose. And it is hard to fully live for Christ when we haven't fully died to self. If we haven't fully died to self, Praying this prayer is going to be really difficult for you to pray. Oh, your will be done. But we also know, well, all in this one area of my life, that, that's true. Or in this area of my life, I'm willing to surrender that, but not this. And Jesus describes for us, as well as the Apostle Paul, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself and loved me. So it's a matter of dying to self. There's a battle. And that battle is between the, the flesh and the kingdom of Sherwood and the, and the spirit and the kingdom of God. And they are at war with one another. Because I have these desires and I have these wishes and I have these wants and I have these plans. But Jesus is presenting an alternative. An alternative that is very hopeful and encouraging. Because when we surrender and bend our knee to the will and purpose of God, we know that all things will work out for God's purpose and will in our lives to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. 
And so it could be a difficult thing that we might be experiencing, but we know as we surrender to him and his control, then he's bringing about a good thing. So it's his will, not my will. It's his purpose, not my purpose. But it's also, notice the finality of that phrase. Your will be done. God is faithful to finish what he started. And he will finish what he started in you. He's faithful to complete it. But he's also faithful to finish what he is committed to and promised in Scripture. To be done, period, full stop, right there. Your will be done. It speaks of an accomplishment or a fulfilling in our lives. It also speaks of this idea of cooperating with the will of God. Of participating and uh, being a part. So God invites us to cooperate in his schedule and in his daily planner. I just simplify it, right? We've got these new calendars that are hanging on the wall and I'm sure you've transferred, you've probably spent a couple hours transferring all the birthdays, all the grandkids' birthdays, all the great kids' grandkids' birthdays, all the different events that are going on, all the things that you're looking forward to and those are good and we love them. They're a part of our family to be cherished and enjoyed. But have you taken the time to open the calendar in your schedule and say, God, what do you want to put on this thing? God, where do you want me to be? God, what do you want me to do? My will is open to your will. My, my, my heart is open to your heart in my life. Since you know all things, you're in heaven. You see the beginning and from the end. You know what's going to happen in 2023. Maybe, maybe it's time for me to say, okay, God, why don't you start filling in the calendar? And not only in a big picture, 2023 with 52 weeks, 365 days, so to speak. How about every single day? There's that daily planner. There's those alerts that we get. There's those messages about meetings. There's those reminders about calling and texting and connecting. How about setting a time through prayer to get those daily alerts from the Lord? And recognizing that he has a daily planner. And it could be could look completely different. That's a great prayer to pray in the beginning of the day. Lord, I don't know what today is going to hold. But I know you got it under control. And I'm open to being interrupted. I'm open to change. I'm open to what you are doing in and around and through my life. Help me see it. Help me walk in it. Help me live fully in it. And then lastly, kind of here in closing, your kingdom come, talked about the king and his control and reign and power. Your will be done, talk about his purpose and plan in and through our lives. On earth, I think this is really where it, the rubber meets the road. This is really the good stuff here. On earth as it is in heaven. Because before we got to the whole earth thing, it was like, oh great, yeah, it's up in the clouds, up in heaven, up in space. No, it's right here, right in our lives right as we go from this place, right as we break up into groups and pray and, and ask the Lord these things to be accomplished and done. On earth as it is in heaven. Man, earth is a real deal. Earth is physical. Earth is touch. Earth is real life. And uh, I love the scripture that says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God cares about the affairs and the details of life. So up until this point, we see that the simplest prayer has submission to God's sovereignty as our father in heaven as well as God's strategy 
as his purpose and will. And now we're looking at the, the participation in the unfolding realm of God here on earth. We talked a little bit about that, that we're experiencing the kingdom of heaven now, but not quite fully to its extent when it is fulfilled in the future. However, God's rule and his reign are intended to be experienced right now in the present, in the details of our lives as we're seeking him for guidance and for direction, for the will and the purpose, maybe in the big things as well as in the day-to-day small things. God cares about everything and in between. So there's this on earth but also as it is in heaven. I think this is really the acknowledgement that everything that is going, how is it in heaven? What's going on in heaven? Do you guys know? I'd love to hear. Uh, Have you been there? Probably not. But uh, we have wonderful things recorded for us in scripture about what's happening in heaven. Take a look at the book of Revelation or anybody in the scriptures who had a vision of heaven. There was worship. There was praise. There was adoration and just this Praise and thanksgiving of God. Worthy is the Lamb to receive glory and honor and praise. But in heaven, there are no objections, just obedience to the will of God. And the only place we know where there's objections to God's will is here on planet Earth. Objections in my life, objections in our lives, if we're honest. Objections in the rule and reign of governments across the globe. Objections in the rules and laws that are passed that are completely in objection to the rule of God according to Scripture. So in heaven, there's no objection. So we're praying, and Jesus is encouraging us to pray, that the full obedience that is expressed, the full worship and adoration and surrender to the will and purpose of God would be accomplished on planet Earth, in our lives personally. But I just love how this unfolding takes place in, of God's will naturally and daily in our ordinary lives, as I mentioned earlier. So just kind of keeping track here and following through, just a couple of, of takeaways. I'm going to invite our worship team to come on up and get all set. But uh, here's just a couple of thoughts for us. One is the encouragement to remember the King of kings and the Lord of lords in our prayers. The power and the majesty. You see, when you go to a king, if you were to go to, you know, I don't know, go to the White House, (laughs) we don't walk into these regal, important, powerful palaces. It's all chill and, you know, uh, there's this sense of respect and awe. And that's what Jesus is indicating for us in prayer, which is really remarkable because uh, the scripture also tells us that through Jesus, we now can come boldly into the throne of mercy to obtain grace and help in time of need. It is through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, the substitutionary sacrifice for our sins, the demonstration of his love for us, that we now have been reconciled with the Heavenly Father. We are adopted into the family of God. We can come in and experience this type of care and and love as our Heavenly Father. But it also challenges us to crucify our own wills, to put to death our own ambitions, And to say, God, what is your plan? What is your purpose? And maybe it means wiping the calendar or or, um, changing and reorganizing the priorities in our lives so that our lives are in line with God's will. And God's will is always in line with his word. 
And your life will be aligned with God's will if your heart is consumed with God's word. And that's a great encouragement for us as we not only jump into this new year, but also we're going to worship here for just a couple of minutes. And then we're going to break up into small groups and pray. I encourage you to just turn around and introduce yourself to just a couple of people. This is a great opportunity. I encourage you, don't rush out. You've got the name badges. If you don't have a name badge, no big deal. Say, what's your name? (laughs) Super simple. We're giving you permission to ask people's names. I know that there's a couple of people in here that you're like, I really should know that person's name by now. So we're giving you permission to ask their name if they don't have a name badge on. That's okay. And just pray. We're going to have three suggestions based on the message today. If you kind of get stuck up on the screen that you can pray. But let's, uh, let's pray now. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for this time. You are holy. You are worthy. We worship you. And we respond like everybody in the scriptures when they encounter God. To fall down fall on our faces take a posture of surrender and I pray for anyone in this room who is seeking guidance and direction on the will of God I pray you would keep them from making a bad decision and I pray you'd help them and inform them on that decision by showing them scripture by teaching them by bringing a verse or leading them through a Bible study and helping them understand what your heart is for them. And I pray that we would experience the kingdom of heaven at Quest Church where your will is perfectly done. I know that's pretty remarkable because this church is full of a bunch of broken sinners. And that's okay. That's the place we need to be because our Father loves us. But we got a bunch of broken people but we have a powerful God. There are great good things that are done. And I pray for lives to be transformed, lives to draw close to Jesus, marriages to be healed, prodigals to return, addictions to be broken for your glory and your purpose. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Quest Church San Diego Sermon Podcast. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions about the Bible, need prayer, or recently made a commitment to follow Jesus, we'd love to hear from you. Please visit questsd.com to get connected. You can also send us an email at info at questsd.com to let us know how God is using these messages to encourage you in your walk with Jesus. Until next time, we pray you have a blessed week.